0: Again, I think a good rule of thumb is the way Jesus reached out to people with disabilities. I mean, there he is, counseling the father of a little boy with seizures who wants Jesus to increase his faith. Oh, Jesus, I I, I want so much to believe, help my unbelief. Or he's hobnobbing with paralyzed guys on straw mats by the pool of Siloam. Or he's hanging out with the deaf or the blind to the point where it really irked the disciples It just drove them crazy, but spend time with those with disabilities because if you look through the pages of the Gospels, flip through them and you'll see that Jesus spent most of his time hanging out with handicapped people.
1: Isn't that a terrific insight and an important reminder from Johnny erickson Tata about where our priorities need to be as people of faith? And we're thrilled to have her back as our guest on today's episode of Focus on the Family. Your host is Focus president and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller.
2: Uh, John, last time we featured a powerful conversation that you and I recorded with Johnny. We invited several hundred Focus friends to join us at a hotel in Anaheim, California. And the room was electric with excitement and enthusiasm about the topic of life, how God created us in his image, and how each and every person, including preborn babies, those with special needs, the elderly, every one of us are valuable to the Lord. And to be honest, I almost didn't survive the evening. I had a terrible <laughs> head cold. Remember you that? Yes. Oh, it was bad. And I was losing my voice. I'm behind in the back of the stage praying, Lord, help me keep my voice. And Johnny was struggling, too, with some congestion. But the Lord was with us that night, and uh, I'm glad to say we prevailed. And we're going to share part two of this amazing conversation today. And Johnny
1: erickson Tata is an author, an artist, radio host. Uh, She founded a ministry called Johnny and Friends, which serves individuals and families dealing with disabilities. And as we shared last time, Johnny and Friends just celebrated their 40th anniversary, Let's go ahead now and return to the conversation we recorded with Johnny in California. We're going to roll back just a little bit to a really significant point in the interview.
2: The tough question. Why does your life have value?
0: Well, 50 years ago, I didn't think it did. 53 years ago, when I broke my neck and became a quadriplegic in a wheelchair, I tell you, it's not easy every morning when you have to face someone who gives you a bed bath... Mm. Someone who toilets you and wipes your backside. Someone who has to wipe your runny nose. Or someone who has to brush your teeth or feed you in a restaurant. Someone who empties urine from your leg bag. Someone who, let's say, might have to have a colostomy. For me, human dignity was turned on its head, Jim, yeah. when I was first injured. And when I learned that I was gonna be a lifelong quadriplegic, oh my goodness, somebody handling my spit, my runny nose, my urine, feed me in a restaurant, let's get to the heart of it. Not many people, for most people, that's beneath their dignity. And trading your autonomy for a lifetime of pain and inconvenience, most would say that. That's no quality of life, that girl has no quality of life. But if comfort and convenience and autonomy determine your life value, then I tell you what, in this day and age, your last straw at dignity is to choose, with what little autonomy you might have left, to choose something like physician-assisted suicide. And most people, for a medically fragile, let's say a ventilator-dependent quadriplegic, if that individual chose to end his life in any one of nine states, including the District of Columbia, where physician-assisted suicide laws are legal, all it would take would be a quick court ruling to expand the definition of terminal illness, and that quadriplegic might be escorted to a final exit that years later he might not want. Mm. It's why when I get up in the morning, even now Jim and John, as difficult as it is, I'm an old quadriplegic, my lungs don't work very well, but I need to remember, I need to make a conscious effort in whose image I am made. I discipline myself every morning to rehearse whose image I bear. My body might be broken, but I am a God reflector. I mirror a God who was pleased to make me in his image, and that is what gives me human dignity. Not my ability to walk, or use my hands, or blow my nose, or cut my own food, or toilet myself. And uh, if we believe that it's beneath our dignity to be weak, and helpless. If we believe that it's beneath our dignity to have somebody else wipe our spit or our backsides, guess what? We're operating out of pride. It's nothing but pride. Mm. And friends, I mean, yeah. there is no there is no room for pride when you bear the image of God. Only humility. There's only room for humility when you realize you're you're made in the image of God. And nothing fosters humility more than rehearsing every morning, disciplining yourself, recalling that incredible, important principle, I am a God reflector. I am made in the image of God. That's what gives me dignity.
2: You know, Johnny, people listening to you now and people listening on the radio, wherever they're at, I mean, they're amazed with who you are. And your attitude about life. um, You know, I'm sure someone's saying, boy, my life isn't in as much difficulty as Johnny's. Why am I complaining? But it wasn't always that way. And I want to go back to when you did have the accident to be vulnerable and honest. I mean, you did think about ending your life. You have gone through that difficult thinking, but you have come out with a different attitude. People need to know the pain that you went through emotionally.
0: Well, I will be quite honest, yes, back then, 53 years ago, at night, I refused to wear a neck collar, and I used to wrench my head back and forth on the pillow violently, hoping to break my neck at up some higher level, and so to end my life that way, I would beg my high school girlfriends to bring in their mother's sleeping pills or their father's razors, and little did I realize that Christians were praying for me. You know, because I wasn't wrestling against the the flesh and blood of spinal cord injury or quadriplegia or a significant disability. I was wrestling against powers and principalities in the heavenly realms, dark powers that wanted nothing more than to keep me steeped in depression, to make my life a mockery of the goodness of God, to stain His reputation, to smear His good name. Those dark powers wanted to shipwreck my faith. But it was prayer and the consistent visitation of good Christian friends by my bedside who number one, ascribed positive meaning to my, to my difficult situation. Number two, they were my spiritual community. They lifted me up out of social isolation. And number three, they even helped my parents financially when insurance ran out. And, and number four, They cast a vision for me when I was too weak to cast it for myself. Those are simple things we can do for the elderly in nursing homes, for people with disabilities in rehab centers, for the woman, the single woman with multiple sclerosis who's a shut-in, we can be those people to ascribe that positive Mm -hmm. meaning, to pray, to bring that person out of social isolation, to help practical needs, even if it's financial, and to cast the vision for a a better life and a richer life to come.
2: That's so good, I mean.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Let's be doers of His word.
2: I think you're striking a chord with this audience, <laughs> Johnny. The uh, the whispers that you would hear. I mean, there are people again listening that are in that depth of despair. They're living it now. They hear those whispers. Be specific about what those whispers sounded like for you from the enemy.
0: Look in the mirror, Johnny. Look at you. You can't use your hands. You can't walk. You can't do anything. You can't go, go even go to the toilet on your own. you got to be fed in a restaurant. The enemy is a an accuser of the brethren. He is a liar, and he is a murderer. And so he tried to convince me, Johnny, you really would be dead, better off dead than disabled. Why put your parents through such a burden such as this? Why put such a strain on your family? Why don't you end it all right now? But... Jim and John, I have learned even now, and believe it or not, friends, I will be quite honest, living with chronic pain, there are more than many times that I wish God would just come back real quick and take me out of this world and end this misery. And when I start thinking like that, I know I'm listening to the devil. I don't want Jesus to come back to to rescue a fallen world. I want him to come back to save me out of my pain. But no, I cannot listen to those devilish whispers. I've got to wake up in the morning and say to him, quite honestly, I can't do this. I can't take this pain one more day. I am so tired of being a quadriplegic and being given a bed bath. I can't do this disability anymore. But God, I can do all things through you and your son as you strengthen me. So. When I was a 14-year-old kid, am I talking too much? No, no, this is okay. it. Okay. But,
2: you know, I'm thinking of that person who's struggling. That's who I'm trying to yes. get you to connect yeah. with, and you're doing it.
0: Right. Well, I would suggest if somebody is listening to us and they're really struggling, they're toying with thoughts of suicide, they really think they'd be better off dead than, than having to deal with chronic pain and, and an aging body, I, I suggest they go to God first thing in the morning and say, God, I can't do this. I mean, flat out, I can't. I have no strength for this. Right. But you do. I have no smile for this day, but you do. I cannot do life, but I can do all things through you as you strengthen me. Jim, when I was a 14-year-old kid and came to Christ, I made Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, my life verse. I bet you all know it. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That was my 14-year-old self saying that. But now, now, I really have been crucified with Christ. It can't be me who lives. It's got to be the Lord Jesus who lives through me. And in John chapter six, when Jesus says, if you want to abide with me, you eat my flesh. You drink my blood. For he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood, he is the one who has spiritual life. And I think if we can just see our suffering as God's way of pushing us to that point where, oh, Lord Jesus, I I just want to digest every little ounce of grace. I need to be fed on your daily bread. Because I ain't got no place to turn but you. And I think that's a good place to be. If our friends listening are struggling, you are closer to the Lord Jesus than you think. Even he said in Revelation, I wish that you were either hot or cold about me, but if you're, if you're lukewarm, oh my goodness, I'm gonna spit you out of my mouth. So if we are cold, feeling like God is distant, that might be a good thing, for then we are much closer to the Lord because we recognize our desperate need and we simply cannot do it ourselves. Yes. So just let just be pushed that final inch into the arms of the savior where you will find hope, help, peace, patience, endurance, tolerance, self-control, perseverance. It's all there in Jesus. Right?
2: Right? But again, the key thing that you started with was being able to wake up every day, acknowledging the difficulty and asking God to fill your heart with hope. That's what I hear you saying.
0: Yeah, and Not to be
2: discouraged in your circumstances. Yep. That's hard for human beings to do. It is,
0: but you know what? You know what I tell quadriplegics who are in bedridden? Mm. I got lots of friends who are quads who are bedridden. I have several friends who have been bedridden, some for 15 years. Mm. And I tell them all the time, and they remind me as well, Don't think of your own needs. There is somebody else out there who is suffering worse than you are. So I think the best prescription, and I'm sorry, maybe I sound a little too, I don't know, a little too rigid here, but the best prescription for depression and discouragement and those feelings that you just can't go on is to get up in the morning, Take a shower, eat breakfast, get dressed, open your front door, and go out and find somebody else in your community who is suffering much worse than you are. <laughs> that you is the best prescription. Yeah. It's what gets me up in the morning yeah. to serve other people with disabilities, other families with special needs, because God has blessed me. Oh my goodness, like a hot potato, I gotta get it off <laughs> my lap and pass on the blessing to somebody else. It's a good He's prescription. He you like depression. a hot potato, I like that. <laughs>
2: Uh, Johnny, Luke 14 is a scripture that I believe you built your ministry around, um, 1413. What is it, and why does that obviously speak to your heart?
0: Well, Luke 14, and most of you probably know that, where Jesus says, when you give a banquet, just don't invite your rich friends, your relatives, and your neighbors, you know, people that you are comfortable with, people that you can identify with, you resonate with, people in your you know comfort zones. Jesus inasmuch says, pull up the tent peg in your thinking. Don't just hang out with your rich friends, relatives, and neighbors that you like and that you know. No. Go out. Find the disabled, Jesus says. The disabled, the lame, the blind, the poor, the disenfranchised. Reach out to them. And then he adds this. He says, do so and you will... Be
3: blessed. We'll get back to our interview in just a moment. Hi, I'm Bill Benjamin, and you're listening to Focus on the Family. And our guest is Johnny Erickson Tata, speaking at a Focus on the Family event in Southern California. There may be some of you who don't know that it was a diving accident in 1967 that left Johnny Erickson Tada, then 17, a quadriplegic in a wheelchair. After two years of rehabilitation, she was determined to help others in similar situations. Johnny is now an internationally known advocate for people with disabilities. She's the founder and CEO of Johnny and Friends International Disability Center, a best-selling author of more than 50 books, a radio and TV host, and a featured guest in numerous media outlets. And she's our guest today on Focus on the Family. If you'd like to know more about Johnny, you'll want to get a copy of her autobiography. It's called Johnny, an Unforgettable Story. Let's continue now listening to Jim Daly and John Fuller interview Johnny Erickson Tata on today's Focus on the Family.
0: Okay, I'm going to tell you a quick story. You can edit yeah, it out. That's no, good. Edit it out if you have to. but. We do this at our family retreats. Johnny and Friends runs family retreats for special needs families. In 2020, we will have 48 retreats for special needs families in the US and 49 in developing nations. I'll never forget Talent Night, okay? It was little Cindy in her wheelchair with cerebral palsy. Now you gotta understand, she's small, her hands are twisted and rigid. She's disabled. She's a wheelchair user. She's nonverbal, cannot speak, had not spoken a word the entire retreat. But her mother wheels her up front on talent night in front of the microphone. So we're thinking, okay, what's this all about? Well, with great effort, and I wish your listening audience could see me because I'm kind of like, doing an airplane with my arm, kind of of aiming for this little button on her electronic communicator. Bing, she finally hits the button, and it performs Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. And the whole time, Cindy is mouthing the words to Amazing Grace. Yes. You know, go out, find people like Cindy, bring them into the fold of your fellowship. And, and it's not just that you will bless them, they will bless you. There wasn't a dry eye in that talent show audience that night. And all of us are seasoned veterans when it comes to disabilities. And we've been around a lot of people with disabilities. But to see Cindy give praise to the Lord Jesus through her electronic communicator and mouthing those words, it was priceless beyond belief.
2: Absolutely, yeah. That's, Do it, and you'll be blessed. You know, Johnny, we uh, are talking about those who are disabled physically. Um, I think one good point you've made with many others is how we in the able-bodied community can, can reach out. Emotionally, how do we stumble in the able-bodied community around someone like you? How do we act and you go, that's peculiar?
0: Well, I think a good rule of thumb is just treat those with disabilities as you would want to be treated. That's great. Just just a good rule of thumb, just treat somebody as you would want to be treated. I mean, people with disabilities like to talk about more things than just their wheelchair mechanics and their disability (laughs) and, you know, how tough it is. We've got hopes. We've got dreams. We've got favorite restaurants we like to visit. We've got vacation memories. So just, just talk to people with disabilities as you would talk to anyone. And um, again, I think a good rule of thumb is the way Jesus reached out to people with disabilities. I mean, there he is, counseling the father of a little boy with seizures who wants Jesus to increase his faith. Oh, Jesus, I I, I want so much to believe, help my unbelief. Or he's hobnobbing with, paralyzed guys on straw mats by the pool of Siloam or he's hanging out with the deaf or the blind to the point where it really irked the disciples. It it just drove them crazy. But spend time with those with disabilities because if you look through the pages of the Gospels, flip through them and you'll see that Jesus spent most of his time hanging out with handicapped people.
2: Yeah, that is scary. Really, he did. Yeah.
0: And I I think all of us can participate in this movement. We really can. We at Johnny and Friends would encourage anyone to come and serve as a volunteer at any one of our family retreats. When you get a little hands-on practice, Among those who are weak and vulnerable, it can change your heart. It really can. Yeah, absolutely. Practice Christianity with its sleeves rolled up. There are all kinds of ways to get involved.
2: And that, that is a good place. Let me just make this comment in terms of nothing new under the sun. We do a video series with Ray Vanderlaan called That the World May Know. He's a Jewish scholar and uh, he's taken many trips with Focus constituents over the years. I've been on that trip. It's like military boot camp, I'm telling you. We hike over 100 miles in 14 days, only to arrive at Mount Carmel to notice the bus is right in the parking lot. Why did we hike 12 miles in 110 degree weather? And his response would be, because I wanted you to feel this, which was great. Most of the days. But he made an observation out of his, um, you know, background with history and the Jewish people. There was a um, Moloch, a Canaanite god. And what that culture did is they would sacrifice their children into the flame of Moloch. It was a statue that had the belly uh, open and they would create a fire and then they would place that baby in the stone arms of this pagan god, Moloch and that child would slide down into the fire. And the reason they did it, this is what's amazing, you think we're enlightened in this modern world? The reason they did it was to increase their crop yields, to find favor with God, to find you know uh, better return on their investment. Just apply that to what some people do today. The taking of life because we can't afford this child. I would say as the child, the fifth child of a very poor single woman, Don't step in and decide what God can do with a life. Let God work that through. And you're a great testimony of that, Johnny. Mm -hmm. You are the epitome of it, so thank you.
0: Jim, uh, you know as well as I do that when it comes to pro-life issues, given the opportunity, society is always going to move in the direction of convenience for the masses at the expense of the weak and the vulnerable, whether it's doctor-assisted death, whether it's euthanasia of the comatose, or the abortion of those with defects. And um, we Christians, the days are short, the times are evil, friend. We need to stand in the gap We need to provide that help and hope. We need to showcase what life worth living looks like, to lift people up out of despair and to give mothers carrying an unborn child with, let's say, Down syndrome or or muscular dystrophy, autism, whatever, we need to show these moms, these parents, these dads, that yes, they can be good parents, families can be happy, and that child with a disability might very well Bring together family unity and family support. Suddenly you're not arguing about the color of the church carpet and you're not, you know, you're, you're, you're foregoing an extra vacation so that you can concentrate on family and family needs. And it's amazing how in a special needs family, everybody gets involved. And I'm sure, John, you could attest to this. It's not just you and your wife. It's, it's your wife's parents, your in-laws, grandparents, aunts, uncles, Everybody gets involved. Everybody learns a lesson. Everybody's heart gets changed.
2: That's so true. I love that scripture. Do these good deeds so they'll honor your Father in heaven. And that's what you're saying. Johnny, this has been terrific. Thank you so much for being with us.
0: Absolutely. Thank you, John. Thank you, John. Thank you for...
1: That's how we concluded part two of our conversation with Johnny erickson Tata on this episode of Focus on the Family. And I so appreciate Johnny's authenticity and her grace, Jim. She is such a wonderful person and a really tremendous advocate for the special needs community. Yeah, She
2: is. She's a champion for life. And I'm so grateful that Johnny agreed to help us promote the
3: value and sanctity of human life. Jim Daly and John Fuller wrapping up an interview they did with Johnny Erickson Tata on today's edition of Focus on the Family. Well, on behalf of Focus President Jim Daly, program host John Fuller, and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm Bill Benjamin.
0: Johnny erickson Tyler has devoted her life to helping people with special needs. And I loved how she acknowledged that it could not be her who lives daily to serve others, but Christ in her. She gives God all the glory for the work that she's doing and knows that she could not survive without Him. What a testimony of faith. Our recommended resource is Johnny's book called A Spectacle of Glory, God's Light Shining Through Me Every Day. Johnny will help you discover how to put God's glory on full display no matter what challenges you're facing. You'll find that book online at safamily.co.za or give us a call on 031-716-3300. I'm Graham Schnell for Focus on the Family Africa, inviting you to join us next time when we'll once again help you and your
3: family thrive in Christ.